instead of all the 12 disciples, he took these three to, on several particular occasions. So maybe James and John came to see themselves as being particularly important. And, and then perhaps there was the background. Um, they seemed to come from a wealthy-ish family. Their father owned a fishing boat. Their father had servants. So they were probably from a well-off family. So maybe James and John were a little bit full of their own importance. And they overestimated how significant they were. So they, they seized a moment to try to pick the number two and number three spots in heaven. It's like, you know, I mean, it's good of them. They didn't want the top spot, you know. It's like they left that for Jesus. But if you'd give us number two and number three, that would be really, really cool. And, and understandably, when the rest of the disciples heard about it, they were annoyed. It caused a lot of problems among them. And Jesus took this and used it as a teaching moment. And what he taught was really straightforward and important for us to recognize. Two things. Number one, here's how this world works. The standard of greatness is power. How many people serve you? Point number two, here's how God's kingdom on earth, the church, works. The standard of greatness is who you are serving. And that was it. He took that as a moment to, to impress upon them. Here's the way the world works. Here's the way my kingdom works. And it's good for us to remind ourselves sometimes that that. Out in the world at large, there's one set of values, but in the kingdom of God, in the family of God, in the church of Christ, we look at things totally different. It cost the life of God's Son to buy us our salvation. It was pricey. And you know what? It requires dedication and faithfulness and sacrifice on our parts if we are going to partner with Him in the task of reaching the lost. And one of the things I love about the story of Genesis is that our church's story has been a story of people. Did, I don't, you, some of you will know them, but did you, did you notice in, in that, she'd never forgive me for saying this, but she's with Jesus now, and I don't know if she'll hear it, but, but there was an old lady slicing bagels, right? Grandma Marge, yeah, that was Grandma Marge. And, and there was an old man who was handing out bulletins by the door, Danny, her husband. Danny and Marge were among the first people to arrive every Sunday morning, about 7.30. We printed, the, we printed the bulletins, but Danny liked to have them folded to give out, so he folded all of the bulletins, and then he handed them out to people. And you know, there was one point several years into our church's story where we'd worked out Danny had been at church more Sundays than I'd been at church. Because he didn't miss a Sunday for, for years. And he only missed one eventually because he was sick. But Danny and Marge, who were both 80 in that video, were in their eight, early 80s, 80 years of age, were serving together. The story of Genesis is the story of people who get it so much that they want to be a part of it. In fact, I, I, I really think it's part of like the DNA of our church. 
I think folks who settle with us are folks who are wired a certain way. Apart from being a certain brand of strange, but I mean, you know, <laughs> the church reflects its leadership. So, but, but, but I think folks who settle with us really, really do have a certain outlook. And, and, and the reality is this. It's not about we want to be seen. We'd love to be able to do whatever needs to be done to see the vision fulfilled. One question that I've been asked a number of times over the years by pastors, particularly pastors who visited us here at Genesis, they ask me the question, how do you get so many volunteers? And I told them, I read a very good book once that really helped. No, I didn't. I said, I ask. Right? It's great. I know people, you know, there are plenty of books that have been written on the subject. How you get, how you get folks to get involved in church? It's real, it's real easy in Genesis. You let folks know you need some help. It's like, hey, if you want to volunteer for this, just let us know, right? We're good. We're good. Because it seems to be part of our DNA and part of our makeup. Availability is a word that really, you know, defines how we are. And that's Christ-like right? Mark 10, verse 45, even I, the Messiah, I'm not here to be served, but to help others and to give my life as a ransom for many. I am not here to be served. None of us is here to be served. We are here to help others, and we're willing to give our life, that is our time, our effort, our energy, so that we can see others be bought back for God, right? That's, that, and, and, and that really is a part of how we are. William Barclay, a great Scottish commentator, uh, Bible commentator, once said this. He said, the world needs people whose ideal is service. And that is the ideal that's a distinguishing feature of our church. And this month's a good month to recognize that it's a good month to celebrate that. It's a good month to remind ourselves of that. We are saved to serve. We're saved to serve. There is, a, there is more of a purpose. Now, the great purpose of God saving us is so that we should become His children, so that, so that the curse of death should... Re oh, let's try that again. The curse of death... <laughs> I need more coffee, or maybe I drunk too much. The curse of death should be removed from us, and we should know eternal life. That's God's grand purpose. But there's other things that are involved as well. Ephesians 2, verse 10. For we are God's masterpiece. Turn to the person next to you and say, you are God's masterpiece. There you go. Tell it to the person on the other side. Good. Tell it to me. I'm feeling left out. Right, right? We are God's masterpiece. That, that's, that's an incredible, I wasn't going to pause here, but I'm going to now. That, that's an incredible statement if you, if you think about it, you know? If you think about, you know, an artist or some other creative person and say, see, this is a masterpiece. It's like the peak of his creativity. And the Bible says that we are God's masterpiece. 
We're like the, the ultimate in, in what God has done and what God has created. I mean, you take a look any time, any evening at a beautiful sky and think, wow. But the Bible says, don't forget, though, you are God's masterpiece. You're the best thing he ever did. That's what the Bible's saying here. It says, we are God's masterpiece. He has created us anew in Christ Jesus so, he, so we can do the things he planned for us long ago. So we're God's masterpiece. He created us anew, gave us new life through Jesus Christ so we can go to heaven when we die. It doesn't say that. It says, so we can do the good things he planned for us long ago. There was a plan and purpose for every one of us who has been given new life in Jesus Christ. He created us anew so we can do. The purpose was clear this. There's something he wants us to do. What does he want us to do? The good things he planned for us long ago. There comes a point in every Christian's life where, where they need to reach the stage of maturity where the most frequent words we pray are not God bless me, but God use me to be a blessing. God make me a blessing. Lord, use me. When Jesus was going to celebrate the Passover with his disciples, uh, sorry, after, let's get this straight. Dear Lord, I'm, let's get this straight. Before Jesus was going to go into Jerusalem for the uh, Palm Sunday entrance, he sent two of his disciples to to, to look for a donkey he was going to ride into Jerusalem on, right? So he told them where to go. He told them where the donkey would be. And he said in Luke chapter 19 and verse 31, he, he said to these disciples, if anyone says anything and asks, what are you doing? Say, his master needs him. If they ask you what you're doing, the answer is, his master needs us. Why did Jesus give you new life and me new life? Well, there's a greater eternal purpose, but there's the here and now purpose. The master needs us. He has a plan and a purpose for every single one of our lives. When, when, when Saul, the arch persecutor of the church, was on his way to Damascus to persecute Christians there, God stopped him in his tracks on the road to Damascus. A blinding light from heaven shone down uh, 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 he fell off his horse and he's lying there in the ground and he, he there are two questions that he asked in Acts chapter 9 and verse 5 the first question is who are you Lord like what the heck's going on who are you Lord and the second question is in the next verse after Jesus replies he said Lord what do you want me to do what do you want me to do? God interrupted his plans and intervened in the life of Saul who became Paul the Apostle because God had things he wanted him to do. Listen, we are saved to serve. And, and then secondly, we are shaped to serve. 
We're shaped to serve. We're all different. And God made us different. God made us different for a purpose. There are things, there are things that folks can do that I could never do. See, I, I, I could never stand here and play guitar or, or, or lead worship like Steve does it. But I don't need to. You know why? Because Steve does it. Right? Right? Now, I could go behind this drum cage here and pick up a set of drumsticks and, and, and I could make an incredible noise, but I can't drum like, I can't drum like Tom drums, but I don't need to because Tom drums. Right? God made us all different with all different roles, with all different things that we're We've got our strengths and we've got our weaknesses. And some of you say, well, I could never stand in front of people and talk. Fine, you don't need to. I'm good so far. <laughs> There's plenty of gas in the tank still, I assure you. But here's the thing. You don't need to. You know what I'm not good at? I'm not good at really sharing my faith one-on-one. -on -one. I'm not good at that. All right, I just disappointed some of you, right? You're going to go find a real pastor now. Uh, but I, I'm, I'm not so good. But some of you are. It's almost like second nature to you. Good. You do it. I don't need to. I do this. You don't need to. God shaped us all differently. 1 Peter 4, verse 10. God has given each of you some special abilities. Be sure to use them to help each other passing on to others God's many kinds of blessing. We're all shaped differently to help others and help others in the way we best help others. You don't need to be somebody else. You don't have to try doing things that really aren't in your wheelhouse, but you help others the way that God has gifted and enabled you to help others. We are blessed to be a blessing. God blesses you so you can bless other people. God has gifted you so that you, you the way you are, can be a part of sharing and showing His love. And we bless others when we use our abilities, our skills, our time, our talents, whatever we've got. I, I, you know, through my teenage years, I got this picture that if you're serving God, it's, it's going to be hard, you know. It's going to be difficult. It's going to be demanding. There, 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 was a, there was a song that I used to hear sung years ago. You know, no sermon of mine is ever complete without an old song quoted, right? So there was a song we used to sing years ago, and, and one of the verses went like this. It was talking about committed to serving Jesus. And it start, this verse started, My Lord, if I should fall upon a foreign field someday, it would be no more than love demands, no more than I should pay. And the thought of, Wow, I might have to go somewhere and die in a foreign land. And I've done that. I'm here in a foreign land. And who knows, I might die upon a foreign field someday. But anyway, the, the, the idea was, you know, what God wants of us is going to be, is, is going to be demanding and difficult and hard. And, and, but you know, it doesn't need to be. In fact, it's often not going to be. If we'll just use the gifts God has given us, and be the way God has wired us. I was talking to somebody today who couldn't wait to get in, and she's with our little kids this morning, and she, be, she was showing me some of the stuff that she got ready, and she prepared for it, and she was just, she couldn't wait to get into that room. I took a quick wander into the ark this morning with the older kids and couldn't wait to get out of the room. <laughs> 
right? Now, don't get me wrong, I love kids. I love kids. We, you know, we've got two of our own. And once we had one of each and knew there weren't any other kinds, we said, that will do. <laughs> but then that's developed, that developed eventually into nine grandchildren, seven great-grandchildren with two more on the way. And it's like, that's multiplied in itself. But, but that's not my thing. Kids' ministry is not my thing. But there are people who are so pumped about it, that's where they belong. And they enjoy it. And you've got to find ministries that you enjoy. I, I watched some of you this morning out there welcoming people as they arrived and greeting them. And it's like so warmly, so friendly, so invitingly. And it's like fantastic. Others of you, it's your worst nightmare. <laughs> Standing by a door and saying hello to tons of people you don't know. That's your worst nightmare. Good, don't do it. Please don't do it. You'll frighten people away. Don't go there. But, but we find, you know, we, we find where God has gifted us to fit. And then serving God is not a burden it becomes an absolute delight. We're shaped to serve. And, and then, then the, the final thing I just want to mention to you today and remind you of is this. We're successful when we serve. We're fulfilled when we serve. Colossians 3.23, whatever you do, work with all your heart as working for the Lord. Not for human masters, since you know that... that, that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord It is as a reward. It is Christ you are serving. Serve with all your hearts and you'll be rewarded. Ephesians 6, 7, work with a smile on your face, always keeping in mind that no matter who happens to be giving the orders, you're really serving God. Good work will get you good pay from the Master. Serving creates enormous, massive amounts of fulfillment and of joy in your life. Where are we at? Two weeks' time. Yeah. Two weeks' time, our missions team will be probably getting near to landing in the DR this time on Sunday, right? Because you leave at some ungodly hour. But our missions team's going 20, 22, I think, people somewhere in there. 22 people going to be going, going down there to the Dominican Republic. And I was talking to one of our ladies this week who's going on that team. And she said words to this effect. She said, I almost feel bad because it's me who gets blessed by this. It's like you go down there to help other people, but the reality is it does you so much good that you come back and you're like, you know, it's like my cup's full. I'm, you know, I, I feel so fantastic because of this. You know why? You'll find success when you serve. You find joy when you serve. You find fulfillment when you serve, you won't find happiness in a zillion other areas of life. And that's part of the myth of how most of this world lives. You won't find happiness in your income, in your status. You won't find happiness in where you live or in what you drive. The way you'll find happiness is to pour your life into the lives of other people. And that's the most fulfilling thing that you can do.
<laughs> I, I, I walked into a, a, a doctor's office this week. It, don't worry, I'm good. It's just, a, it's just a minor, simple little thing. Walked into a doctor's office and, and talked to the lady behind the desk who's part of our church family and was chatting with her. And then another lady came in to, to, to take a seat beside her. Uh, and she said, Roger. Uh, and it was a lady who was part of our church a, a number of years ago and came to Christ in our church. Uh, and, uh, and the lady I was talking to first said, well, said you, you know Roger? She said, yeah, he saved my life. And she said, I've got to go and hug him. So she came around the front and hugged the life out of me. I never saved anybody's life. But Jesus turned her life around when it was really, really messed up. What I did was respected her, accepted her, and was caring towards her when she was at her lowest. And Jesus did the rest. Listen, I walked out of that place thinking, wow, wow. What a privilege to get to do what we do because lives are changed through what happens here in this church, through what so many of us are an active part of. The, the first secret to success is to get your eyes and your focus off yourself. The more you focus on you, the more miserable you're going to become. That's why the word miser and miserable come from the same root, you know. If you're just concerned about grabbing for you, you're going to become miserable. But when you shift your focus from you and outward and ask the question Saul asked, Lord, what do you want me to do? Things change. Philippians chapter 2, verse 17. I will rejoice even if I lose my life. Okay, now Paul wasn't kidding here. He was in jail. I will rejoice even if I lose my life, pouring it out like a liquid offering to God. Just like your faithful service is an offering to God, and I want all of you to share that joy. Your service is an offering for God, and what comes from it? Joy comes out of it. That's what he says. Caring people, helpful people, serving people live successful lives. The more self-centered we are, the more unhappy we are going to be. If church is all about me, if church is all about meeting my needs, if church is not something far wider and far broader with some greater purpose, then we're going to absolutely miss it one of these days. In fact, let me tell you how that scenario works. If church is just about you, this is where I go because I like what they do. Bagels are good too. They work for me. And, and, and you know what? I like the music. I like the way they do it here. And uh, I like the kind of, you know, the, the, the kind of low-key approach I do. And I, and I like the preachers. And, and they're funny sometimes in their own minds. But uh, <laughs> this is good. You know what's going to happen? If it's all about you, I'll tell you what's going to happen. One of these days, it will get old. And you'll hear that down the road, there's another church. And their bagels are better still. And you'll be off down the road if it's all about you. But if it's not all about you, 
If it's about a mission that we are committed to, and you are doing whatever you can in your way to serve and to make that happen, you know what? You're a part of the whole thing, and you belong in the middle of the whole thing. And the reality is, you're going to be anchored in church family. It's being committed to the vision. Philippians 4 says this, celebrate God all day, every day. I mean, revel in Him. Make it as clear as you can to all you meet that you're on their side, working with them and not against them. Help them see that the Master is about to arrive. And that's what we're called to do. To show Christ to show our faith to all that we may. Show them you're on their side. That's a good one. Who? Them. The them who's not us. The them who's not like us. The them who don't see things the way we see them. The them who don't do things the way that we do them. Show them you're on their side. Work with them, not against them, and help them to see the Master's about to arrive. True success is found in serving. Don't be obsessed with getting your own advantage. Philippians 2.4, forget yourselves long enough to lend a helping hand. In our early days, we, we had our services in, in the Crystal Swan Catering Hall for three and a half years on 112, the old Spectrum's nightclub. And uh, we, were, we were there for three and a half years in that location. We hadn't been there long uh, when one Sunday there was a guy who was there for the first time. As soon as service was over, he came straight to me and said, I think I should introduce myself. My name is so-and-so, and I've got a wide experience of ministry. And uh, I'd like to give you this cassette of me preaching because I'd be willing to help by preaching any Sunday you need me. Now, those of you who know me know I didn't even listen to that cassette, right? <laughs> right? Because anyone who their first Sunday says, I want to be up there preaching, it's like, yep, you're the last person we need up there preaching. <laughs> that's not serving others. That's looking to be in a position of prominence. And you know, I tell you something, you know what the strength of this church is? Is nobody's looking for that. I tell you, I tell you, when we were designing this building for the build out, we talked about this stage. And they asked me how high I wanted the stage. And I said, I really don't want a stage. I want to be on floor level. Because I want the visual to make this statement, I'm on the same level as everybody else is here. So, but I, I had to concede for the sake of those who are, you know, the rows that are further back. I said, do me a favor, make it the minimum height possible so the folks at the back can still see me. How about that? Because that's how we are. We're all part of serving the vision, and we all have different roles. There was a lady who's, who's 
was relatively new to our church, who came to see me a couple of months ago. And um, I, I welcomed the opportunity just to get to know her a little bit better, because sometimes you say hello, goodbye on a Sunday, and that's about it. And uh, highly educated lady, very responsible job, ordained by a well-established denomination. We had a really nice talk. And she said, I'm here now. I'm here to stay. And uh, I'm happy to help out in any way. And uh, even if it's cleaning the ladies' bathrooms, those are the people you need in a church. Those are the people you need. Unfortunately, the bathroom slot is taken because we've had a lady who's come in every Saturday for years now and volunteers to clean the bathrooms and the kitchen every single Saturday for us to make sure everything's ready for Sunday. That's the foundation of our church. That's the story of our church. It's the person who gives up a couple of hours every Saturday to come and clean the bathrooms. That nobody knows she's doing it. Nobody sees her doing it. She gets no praise for doing it, but that's not why she's doing it anyway. But the secret of the strength of our church is that so many people make themselves available. Now, now let me just say this as, as I wrap up today. If you are newish to us and say, well, you know what, I, you know, I, I'd like to get involved, then, then by all means do. That really wasn't the purpose of what I'm saying today. What I'm just saying today, I just want to encourage everybody who is involved. It's like, you're the heartbeat of this church. But if you want, it, if you want to, there's a card at our front desk which says, I want to get involved. That's straightforward enough, right? <laughs> right? We keep it simple here at Genesis. I want to get involved. And then we've got boxes that check some of the areas where you might be interested to get involved in audiovisual, in the welcome team, in youth ministry, kids ministry, grace care, or if you're a musician um, of reasonable skill. Uh, oh. <laughs> Did I say that delicately enough? All right, that's good. Practice at home, but if you can play, uh, <laughs> that would be good. But those cards are at the front desk through the back doors on the left. Look, here's, here's the thing. Thank you all for being Genesis. Thank you all for making Genesis what Genesis Church is. Thank you because you of all built what God is doing here. And what God is doing here is changing lives, giving hope to people that are in despair, sharing love with people who feel alone. And we're seeing impact made for eternity on the lives of people who matter incredibly to God. Thank you for being part of this church family, a functioning, active, hands-on part of this church family. Let's stand and pray together. Father, thank you this morning for the fact that you chose us, you called us to yourself, and you look on us and you describe us as your, your masterpiece. And then, Lord, after you saved us, you give us the opportunity to be a, 
a part in your incredible work of saving those that are lost. God, thank you for everyone who plays a role in making all you do in us here and through us happen. And Father, help us never to lose sight of the joy of serving Jesus. Amen. Amen. God bless you.